You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Today we will read from Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who had heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I, uh, I love watching these things. So, uh, uh, I mean, those of you who may not have caught it, um, but uh, our own Caden Horn uh, was one of the sheep. Uh, in fact, you saw him blocking the screen at one point with his back to us uh, and then kind of trotting across there at one time. And, uh, and also Jesse Tabron was Joseph and one of the angels as well. And uh, uh, so just it's 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 fun to see our own kids uh, in some of these productions. Well, superb acting aside, uh, when I hear the story of the shepherds, I have questions, which is probably not a surprise to any of you. But it says that there were shepherds out watching their flocks. For me, I wonder how many shepherds were there. Are there three or four? Are there twenty? You know, is what did what were the dynamics happening there? And even talks about their flocks. It talks about flocks plural. Now, does that mean that there was one? You know, there's a, there's a huge flock of sheep here and some goats here and some you know cattle here, or did it mean that you had all these little smaller groupings of flocks? So you had multiple shepherds, you know, owners represented, you know, along the hillside there or in, in the field. That part, that area. There's not many trees, a lot of open um, brush, if you will, a lot of vegetation uh, for grazing. And so there was ability to spread out in, a, in an open area. So just for me, it's just like, what, what did that look like in that sense? And the other one, that, the one that really gets me is, says that there is a, a company, a great company of angels that emerge there in the sky. And how many's in a company? You know, is that, you know, a dozen, thousands? Is it, you know, limitless like this? the sand and the shore, you know, what did, what did that look like? And here's the thing. I am not the only person who asks, what did that look like? Nor am I the first person to ever ask that. In fact, um, Rembrandt, famous artist in the 1600s, 
try, put down what he thought this looked like. And I realize those of you, this is why you should have sat in the front and not in the back. Um, you can actually see better here. <clears throat> this is a, a, um, not a stencil. What do they call this? An etching. An etching that he'd been, again, back in the 1600s of the scene between the shepherds and the angels. Um, immediately, your, your attention goes towards the upper left, which is where the angels are. It, again, when you can look really closely and blow this picture up, the detail is really amazing. Um, but it's, it's just also a little humorous as well. Some of the angels aren't even looking forward. All you see is their back. You know, they're looking another direction. Um, but see, that was that. Then uh, the next picture, please. And I, I wish I could tell you the date of this one. I'm not sure. But what's, un, what's uniquely different about this one compared to the other one? The faces of the shepherds. All of a sudden, we're starting to see artists where it's like, wait, what, what's... So not only, yeah, well, let's acknowledge the angel, but the attention in this picture is actually on the shepherds and their experience and their emotions in the moment, what, what that looked like. And so there we have just their encounter with a single... Again, the, the proverbial angel, you know, kind of a feminine. Actually, I think in this case, actually, it's a female, you know, soft, white, flowy, angel wings, and that's kind of the image they had. Let's look at the next one. Here, this artist thought, here's what it looked like, kind of more of an uh, impressionist uh, kind of a, of a of figure. But there again, it's kind of a cosmic look to it that has a feeling, which I actually kind of like this one. I thought it was pretty cool. Then you get into realism, our next picture. You know, all right, let's actually, it's the photograph, and let's illuminate what they thought the angel might look like, you know, and so that would another way of look like. And then we get to my favorite one, which <laughs> I thought the author, the artist, really captured the essence of the moment with, uh, with, with that picture there. Um, so in this series we're in right now, as we're leading up to Christmas, we're talking about living in the miracle of Christmas. And two, two weeks ago, we talked about Mary. And last week, uh, Kate talked to you about Joseph. And uh, Kate, I don't know, is she out with the kids? Uh, I just thought did a fantastic job. And I'm so grateful to have uh, very capable leaders within our congregation that can fill in and do different things. And, and for Kate to be able to share uh, the sermon last week, I thought it was just a real special gift, uh, not just uh, to me, but to everyone else as well. So I'm really grateful for that. But then today we're going to look at the shepherds. We're going to explore that a little bit. Now, what's really striking to me about all three of these, Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, none of them were looking for an encounter with God. None of them were on this search or quest to let's try and find God and let's have some kind of encounter. Mary was just going about her day. You know, we don't give a whole lot of detail about the encounter, but, you know, she could have been on in the morning on the way to the market to buy something, to, you know, for the day's meals. And the angel there, it caught her really off guard because the angel said, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And went on to tell her the rest of it. Joseph was sleeping. The angel came to him in a dream uh, and told him about what was happening. And the shepherds were just, you know, out in the fields, they're at work, just trying to stay awake, uh, not falling asleep and making sure they're guarding and the sheep are protected. But here's the thing. They weren't in church. They weren't praying. In all three instances, they weren't even doing anything spiritual. They were just going through life. They were just living their lives the best way they knew to do. And that's the thing about God. He didn't have an assistant call the shepherds in advance and said, hey, 
are you guys free about 9 o'clock p.m. next Thursday? Oh, you're not. Okay, when's good for you? When can God meet with you? Um, no, God doesn't do that. He just shows up. And he just, just shows up and does and interjects in the person's life when he chooses. And, and we believe God still shows up in people's lives today. This isn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago, but God still shows up in the lives of people. But he shows up unannounced and without warning. God interrupts our lives in order to engage us in his miraculous activity. And these divine encounters, these God moments, if you will, they're invitations to live within our own miracle. As it was for Joseph and Mary and the shepherds, the beginning of a miracle often appears as a frightening circumstance interrupting our daily routine. Yet God orchestrates these moments. He puts them together. He crafts them. He shapes them. He initiates them in order to catch our attention, to allow us to exercise our faith, and to wait with anticipation for the miracle that he wants to bring about. What we've learned from Mary and Joseph and now the shepherds is that we can't control what God will do, nor when God will act. As all we can do, though, then, is to maintain a receptive posture. Maintain a posture that for when God does choose to act and does choose to inject himself in our lives, we're ready. So, as seen in the shepherds, then, who were the candidates for God's miraculous work? I think one of the things we see in the shepherd is that the people that for whom God can work are people who recognize the suddenly, the abruptness the, the, of, as God's invitation to a holy opportunity. If you were here last year, uh, you may recall that uh, one year ago today, actually, actually today, December 20th, um, uh, young Devin uh, took his life. Uh, the young man was part of our church. Um, it was a Friday night uh, last year. No one saw it coming. I'm an attractive, uh, good job, beautiful girlfriend, loving, supporting family. Uh, in fact, they were just here two days prior for rehearsal. He played drums. They were making plans for Christmas Eve. It was, no one, no one saw this coming. And uh, I found out about it Saturday morning. And I immediately called uh, his mother and you know, just to talk with her and one to confirm what I'd heard. And um, in the course of the conversation, we made, she asked, you know, would I manage and handle the funeral? And obviously I said yes. And so we made plans that day to meet on Monday uh, to, to plan uh, the funeral. And needless to say, this was not a meeting I was looking forward to. I, I, honestly, if I'm really honest, I dreaded that meeting all weekend for 48 hours. And I'm driving there thinking like, what in the world am I doing? You've ever been to one of those experiences like you're on your way to something and you don't have a clue what you're doing and what I've, I've done funerals before, but never anything like this. And I just felt really overwhelmed and, and way out of my league. But over the years, I've discovered that one of the coolest parts of my job is that I get invited to all the major events in the life of a family. Births, graduations, weddings, and yes, even funerals. 
And while the circumstances were overwhelmingly painful and full of grief, it was also an invitation from God to share a difficult season with one of our families. And while situations like that are tragic, they're also an opportunity to help people experience God in that moment. And that makes those moments holy. In my experience, holy moments don't come with a company of angels filling the sky and singing. It's, it's never that obvious. More often than not, holy God moments for me come disguised as interruptions. They come disguised as inconveniences, and sometimes they're full of hurt and pain. And yet, it's in the midst of this intersection of humanity and the divine that we find God wanting to do something new in our lives, if we allow it. And that leads me to the second point here this morning. People who are candidates for God's miraculous work are those who welcome God's interruption and make room for him to work in their life. Um, it was early Saturday morning, years and years ago. We lived in Minnesota at the time. And uh, early Saturday morning in January, it's one of these cold mornings. It was it's probably about 20 below zero this morning. Bright sunny, bright sunny, but it was cold, no wind. Um, and I don't know if you, any of you have ever experienced temperatures like that. It's, it's hard to describe it. Uh, some of you um, have experienced it, but um, the, 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 you know, the snow doesn't, um, the snow crunches when you walk on it, when it gets that cold. It has this crunchy sound. And um, it hurts to breathe. You can't take a deep breath because it's just, it's too cold and it hits too quickly. And it's dangerous. It is dangerous. Our kids, when we lived in Minnesota, never had snow days where there was just too much snow. We had temperature days. It's too dangerous to be standing out at the bus stop. Um, and so we, they had those. And so um, it was just, it was just a, one of those kind of mornings. And it was early, about 8 o'clock. And I, I was dressed up, and I was driving to a church activity. I, I cannot recall what specifically was happening that early on a Saturday morning. But on my way, I'm driving there. Um, and on the side of the road walking, I see a woman walking along the road. And um, the traffic, the side of the road would be similar to what we see in Greenbrier. Not really high traffic, but not... There's cars. that You'll see cars going up and down it uh, on a regular basis. And so she's walking on the side of the road. And, well, actually, and there, was, there were sidewalks, but, again, in Minnesota this time of year, they're all covered with snow. The snow plows, it just, and so she's walking in the road. That was the only place to walk was on the, actually in the road itself. And so thinking that this might be one of those good Samaritan moments, you know, I stop and I say, hey, can I give you a ride somewhere? And so she walks on the car and, and, and gets in. And as she's buckling in, and, and let me say this way. Um, I could tell by the way she was walking and just, you know, the style of her clothes and just things like this. this is an older woman. This was not someone in their 20s, probably someone probably closer to their 70s. Um, and so she's walking along the side of the road, 20 below zero. She gets in the car and now she's buckling in her seatbelt. Um, you know, I asked her, I said, hey, can I take you somewhere? And uh, she says, uh, can you drive? You know, I said, drive me up to the corner. I need to get some beer. <laughs> and I remember sitting there thinking, it's a Saturday morning, like 8 a.m., 20 below zero, and you're walking up to the corner 
to get beer. You know, so I did. I drove her up to the corner, and it's about, it's about almost a mile up there. So it wasn't like this was just, this was almost a mile beyond. So, she, you know, so this was not a, a, a commitment to get her beer was pretty strong in that morning for her. And I, we, here's the thing. I get to this, we get to the, the, it's actually a corner gas station, you know, that sells the stuff. And you know, undoes the seatbelt, and she gets on, she says, wait here, I'll be right back. I was like, Okay. <laughs> So I wait a few minutes, and she comes out with all these bottles. Not a six-pack. A, like a, it's like a half-gallon bottle of beer. Gets in, and I take her home. She lives you know, a few blocks from where we lived. And I wish I could tell you the Holy Spirit filled the car, and she gave her life to Jesus. <clears throat> neither, neither happened. And here's what I've learned. Not every interruption it will be a divine God moment. Sometimes an interruption is just that. It's an interruption. The question for all of us, though, is this. Am I willing to be interrupted and give of myself for the benefit of others? I'm convinced that every day miracles are often forfeited because the busyness and distractions of our lives have prevented us from welcoming and responding to God's invitation. You know, it's interesting. It tells us in in, in the passage there in Luke, um, actually, I think it actually occurs in, in Matthew as well. On the night that Jesus was born, the Bible tells us that there was no room for them in the end. Is it possible that no room is also a snapshot of the hearts of people today? We're busy, we're independent, we're self-sufficient, and we can't be bothered with God's activity all around us. We just don't have room. So people who are candidates for God's work in their lives, they recognize the opportunity when it reveals itself. They make room for the interruption. And three, people who are candidates for God's work in their lives refuse to be paralyzed by fear. Verse 15 tells us, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Now the way it's written kind of gives the impression that they went immediately after the angels left. I don't think it happened that way. I mean, for me, as I just think about human nature, I think that there were some conversations that occurred first. I actually think they sat there for a few minutes just stunned by it all. And then somebody finally says, what just happened? Did you, did you see that? Wait, you saw it too? It wasn't just me? I think there was this momentary like, what in the world is going? This was overwhelming and amazing. And, and they probably just sat there stunned. But then after a few minutes, it changes to, wow, that was amazing. Wasn't that cool? And, and did you hear what he said about a baby being born in Bethlehem who would grow up to be our savior? I wonder if that's true. Well, there's only way, one way to find out. Let's go check it out. Then they would take off. But, and the Bible doesn't say this, so I'm making this up. But I wonder, I wonder if in those conversations, I wonder if there were any shepherds in the group who said, not me. This whole thing, this is a little too creepy. This is a little way too much for me to handle here. I'm going to stay here. I'll watch the sheep. I mean, somebody's got to watch the sheep. Somebody's got to be responsible. I'll do that. You guys go on ahead. Now, had there been any shepherds like that, think of what they would have missed. 
the chance to see their Messiah, the chance to see God's divine interjection of himself into humanity. Instead, because their fear paralyzed them, it would have caused them to miss a divine encounter with Jesus. Those who did go to Bethlehem were able to think beyond the feelings of terror that they had experienced just moments prior. And instead, they were able to shift their thoughts to what might be. What might be there? I've learned this. If you don't want to be paralyzed by fear, you have to think beyond the moment. You have to think beyond the moment. I love what Isaiah uh, says in chapter 41. So do not fear. Or God is talking to Isaiah. I'm sorry. He says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. You have to think beyond the moment to what might be or to what could be. If you had really good news to share, who would you tell first? Now, those of us who are married, we would hopefully, probably maybe tell our spouse or maybe not. Um, but we'd talk to those people who are closest to us. Now, if this was news we would want to be spread, you know, maybe we put it on Facebook and so they got news out. Or we would talk to people who would be able to share it with others to get the word out. God had the best news in the history of the world. <clears throat> and yet the angel didn't come to the important or to the powerful. He chose shepherds the lowest members of society at that time. And I got to wonder, why not read the, some of the religious leaders? Like Nicodemus. We know Nicodemus was a God-fearer. And the religious Jews had been waiting and looking for their Messiah for centuries. They would, their, they, their, their whole posture was waiting, one of waiting for the Messiah. Why not go to them? Since this is who they were looking for and waiting for anyways. And I believe the answer is in my last thought. And that's people who are candidates for God's work in their lives embrace the adventure of pursuing Jesus. Another way to respond to that, to my question there, is that God chose people who would respond to his work in their life. Now look at the behavior of the shepherds that are in the story. They said, let's go. <clears throat> let's see. So they hurried off. They found, they spread the word, they returned glorifying and praising God. See, I think God chose the shepherds because of the way he knew they would respond. They wouldn't just sit there and enjoy their God moment, but that they would actually engage and take it a step further. They would actually go see and find the baby and they would spread the word of what had just, they had just encountered. They recognized that that moment with the angels was a holy moment, that that encounter was holy. They welcomed the interruption and gave God room in their lives. They refused to remain paralyzed by fear and instead embraced the adventure that God had for them. So I think the question for each of us this morning is, if God had good news to share, would he choose me to share it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, the shepherds. And uh, 
Lord, it's not just Mary and Joseph so instrumental in the story, but I think some of us probably identify more with the shepherds, just people uh, really didn't have a significant role other than to just be a part of what you were doing and to celebrate that. And so, Lord, I, I suspect there's some of us here this morning that are feeling just like that, where, where we just want to be involved. We just want to be engaged with you. Father, some of us are desperate for that kind of interaction. Lord, we don't necessarily even need a, a sky filled of our, our angelic host. Lord, sometimes we just need that quiet, still, small voice in our thoughts. The reassurance of knowing that you see us where we're at. You know what's going on. And that you are very capable of intervening on our behalf. So, Father, my prayer, first and foremost, is that each of us would encounter you, Lord, uh, not just this day, Lord God, but in all days, that especially as we lead up to this Christmas uh, time on Friday, Lord God, that we would experience you in ways we've never experienced you before. Father, that these divine encounters, Lord, we would recognize them for what they are. And, Lord, if there's things we need to do in response to that, that we would have the courage and the strength to actually do that. Sometimes, Lord God, you come to us simply because you want to just let us know you're there. Lord, I'm grateful for those moments. I'm grateful that you care enough about us, that you love us that much to do that. So, Father, we continue to put our lives in your hands. Lord, we continue to look to you for our provision. We look to you for our hope. We look to you for our strength. And, uh, Father look to you as a provider of all things. And uh, God, we, we do all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.